podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. We got a beast on a Wednesday, and I have a request for all of you. I am Philip Slavin, and this is the 1012 podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference and every sport in the conference as well. That's right. We have a huge episode today. I didn't mean for it to get this long. It got away from me. I apologize, but it is what it is. We have a lot to talk about, and I wanted to get to all of it. So just really quickly, let's run it down. We're talking NCAA soccer tournament with Travis Clark of Top Drawer Soccer. Four Big 12 teams advancing to the second round. We're going to talk about which one we think will go the furthest and why I have a problem with the current way things are going. I got a bone to pick and I'm going to vent about it. Also, Brian Rauf from Busting Brackets joins us. We're going to do some basketball power rankings to help kind of break down where each team is thus far in the season. We're going to talk on all 10 teams and why it's actually good for the conference this year. Well, a double-edged sword that the bottom is going to be really bad. Then me and Chris are going to wrap things up with a very long, longer-than-expected talk about the current college football playoff rankings that came out Tuesday night. Just talk about the situation with the Big 12, why this year shows that the conference should probably expand. Or it's not a long expansion talk. We're not going to talk who they should add. I'm not kidding and all that. But this year kind of does point out why they need to get back to 12 teams. Also, I just want to wrap with this. Thank you to all of you who continue to listen to the show every week, every episode in some cases. All you Iowa State fans, I know you listen every time we talk Iowa State. I want to say thank you very much. I really appreciate all of you. Like You guys are awesome, and and I it makes this more fun to do knowing that you guys enjoy listening. I do have a request for you, though. If you like this show, let other people know. If you have a friend, tell them about it. We're trying to grow this show. I have some goals that... Um, Let's just say we need to try and meet by midway 2020. Um, there's some things that are going on, and I want to keep the show going. And to do so, we need to see some numbers start to grow. So I, I need your help in that. So when the episodes come out, if you follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E in the number 12, the word podcast, share the episode, let other people know about it, tell a friend, have them listen to it. And if you listen to us on iTunes, leave us a rating. All you got to do is click that five stars if you want to take the time to leave the review, I appreciate it. If you leave a review here in the next couple of weeks, we've got some land-grant gauntlet 
stuff that we can try and give away. So if you feel like leaving a comment for us on iTunes, try and get you some free stuff. Just let me know. All right. All that said, you know about ESPN Plus, you know about Big 12 now, you know you need to get signed up, and you know you can find the link for it on the tweet pinned to the top of our Twitter timeline, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. First round of the women's NCAA soccer tournament is out of the way. It is done, it is wrapped, and... Six Big 12 teams entered the first round. Four have moved on. Kansas, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State finding themselves victorious. TCU and Texas seasons have come to an end. It, this is just, it's fun for me to talk about when we have a guest uh, like we have today to help kind of break it down and look ahead. It's worth talking about. I'm very excited to have Travis Clark from Top Drawer Soccer back on the show. Travis, welcome back to the 1012. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Like I, I first let me just say thanks. I appreciate you joining me today to talk about this. I I know everyone doesn't always care about soccer, but I do. So and it's my show, so we're gonna do what I want. That's <laughs> that's, that's a good way to do it. I mean, and there's something to talk about too. I think, as you already pointed out, I'll just jump on and run with it. The uh, I feel like the Big Twelve had a pretty good weekend. None of the seeded teams lost. Only one seeded team lost overall in the tournament. So it's a pretty rare occurrence. But I think that. If you're looking at it from the sort of conference perspective, we talked about the perception of the Big 12. You know, to see those teams progress four out of six, that's a good thing. And now this coming weekend will be a chance for, you know, the conference to make a an even bigger statement, if you will. Yeah, and, and that one-seeded team was was Rutgers who lost to Central Connecticut State. And, and that impacts a Big 12 team because now West Virginia, instead of having to face Rutgers, gets this Central Connecticut State team. So I want to start there. West Virginia team who came in as an at-large, who's generally a really good team, kind of had a down year. What, do you think this sets them up for potentially a run, or is Central Connecticut State good? I, I, have no, I know nothing about their program. So what, what do you see in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely a good thing to face a team from the NEC. Let's just, you know, conference perspective. It's definitely an easier matchup to go up against a team from the Northeast Conference versus a team from the Big Ten Conference. Rutgers, I would say, was maybe shaded a little bit into the overseeded category, if you're being particular about it. But at the same time, you know, they're, they're usually a good defensive program, and they are hard to beat. But they couldn't score a goal, and then they conceded – a winning goal to the Central Connecticut State in, I believe, the, like with about two minutes left in the game. So also the end of their season. It definitely helps West Virginia in this next round. They still have a – assuming that UVA survives its second-round matchup against Washington State, uh, you know, both games all, – all three games would be in Charlottesville, who will host, because uh, Virginia is the high seed, and the high seeds host basically what's a – just to kind of give your listeners – a, you know, the full picture, which I know we'll get into as well. You know, the high seed hosts, the second and third round matches, which will all take place within the span of three days. So West Virginia will face Central Connecticut on Friday. That definitely helps. But then they'll have to turn around if they win that and beat either Washington State or Virginia. So that's going to be a very hard matchup for them, no matter who it is. You know, Alina Stahl came up big for them, I believe, in the uh, first round matchup on the road at Georgetown. And that you know, I think it was a little bit surprising for me, but at the same time, the Hoyas had been, you know, t- tailing off a little bit at the season's end, and you know, West Virginia just kind of ground out the results. So I, I don't think they're my pick of the Big 12 teams to make it further farthest, but uh, it definitely is a nicer matchup for sure. 
Okay, so let's let's look at the other um, what we have left. Kansas was a, a three seed. They'll face Xavier on Friday at South Carolina, who's the two seed there, uh, who will face Notre Dame. Oklahoma State, the three seed nationally, um, or seeded. Um, they have to head out to LA um, to face Santa Clara, and I'm going to gripe about that in a minute because USC is the two seed who will face Texas. And then Texas Tech was a, a, a number four seed. They're facing Michigan. They're having to travel to North Carolina, who will face Colorado. Uh, of the of the four Big 12 teams, you said West Virginia is not the one you'd pick to go the furthest. Which one do you think has the best shot to make a run to potentially the Elite Eight? I do, I do think it would be Kansas at this point. You know, you, you look at all all three of those sort of pathways if we're pulling West Virginia out of it. And Kansas plays Xavier, not an easy team, uh, strong. They beat West Vir- uh, sorry, they beat Virginia Tech on the road against an ACC team, even though the Hoagies were pretty uneven for large chunks of the season. Still a good result, going to be a confidence builder. But I think Kansas could definitely go down to Columbia, South Carolina, get that re- result. And then you know, it's not going to be easy against the winner of South Carolina and Notre Dame. But it seems like the most likely of paths than the other two teams. So let's look at Oklahoma State goes to California. Santa Clara is a very good team. One of the best non-seeded teams for my money. So that's not, not that Oklahoma State can't win, not saying that, but going to be very tough. And then of course, you know, the winner of USC, Texas A&M, either one of those going to be a very difficult out. And then Texas Tech, Michigan can blow hot or cold, but if Michigan's on their day, they could definitely knock off the the seeded Texas Tech Red Raiders. But, uh, you know, and then on, on the other side of that, you're looking at the winner of North Carolina or Colorado, which obviously at Chapel Hill, you'd favor the Tar Heels. So of that sort of trio I mentioned, Kansas's path, well, not easy at all. I mean, it's the NCAA tournament, right? You're not going to have anything easy. You're going to have to go out and stay, you know, prove your credentials. This team will be doing it at home which makes it even more difficult. But at the same time, if you want to make a statement for either the program or the conference, you got to go out and get these results. So I'm curious to see how it all shakes out. And while I'm not trying to be a pessimist on your show, it would be kind of shocking to see them all, you know, see even one make it through to the quarterfinals. Fair enough. I mean, we, as we've said, this is a, the Big 12 is a solid conference, but this isn't the, I wouldn't say this is a, a great year for the conference as a whole. I think that it's a deep conference, but the top isn't as good as it's been yeah. in years past. Oh, yeah, I think, so let me, sorry, let me I'm just, gonna, I'm gonna go ahead. Just throw this, this thought in there. I think that because they don't have their elite West Virginia type or whatever, but there's more, you know, more quality and depth, if that makes sense. So I'm interesting to, interested mm-hmm. to see with those four, you know, definitely could make it through. There's no, uh, you know, there's like, you can't look at something like that and say, oh, there's no chance of any of these teams making it through, but it's worth noting that you don't have like a, a one scene. I think that hosting is definitely a factor here for these teams having to travel and play two games away if they're going to make it through one against a team that's hosting for sure. So that's worth pointing out just in the context of the, the tournament itself. So let's talk about travel. I'm a, I'm a big guy when it comes to March Madness. And one thing that always irritates me is when you see a team who's like a top six seed who has earned the right to be a high-seeded team and has to go on the road and ends up facing a lower-seeded team who is much, much closer to home than the higher-seeded team. It always bothers me. And I understand it's about money and making sure that the fan bases can be at places and yada, yada, yada. But there's something to, if you've if you've done so well, you've earned this opportunity to be a, a seeded or a higher-seeded team, you deserve the opportunity to not have to be put into a difficult, a more difficult situation just to just because. And, and I understand that soccer, 
similar to baseball, you know, you want some larger crowds. You want to make it travel costs a little bit lower for teams. But we have Oklahoma State, who is a, a three seed, traveling to L.A. because USC is the host. And they are going to have to face a Santa Clara team that is, let's just be honest, down the road as opposed to 100 miles away. Mm-hmm. And what really seems for OSU is it doesn't matter if Santa Clara had won or if Cal had won this game. They are going to have to face a team from California in the state of California in their second round. That bothers me a little bit. And again, I, I understand the semantics of some of this and I understand the logistics of some of this, but that just seems ridiculous. And, and I'll be blunt, OSU is not the only team dealing with this. Washington was a, a number four national seed. They have to travel to Tallahassee for, for the number one seed, Florida State. Well, Washington was equally kind of screwed either way because they're placing South Florida or they would have faced Florida had Florida won that first round matchup. So it, I, I know there's not an answer to this. I know there's not going to, no one can really explain, well, it's this and this and this, but it does seem strange to me that you earned a seed, you earned a national seed, mm-hmm. but congratulations, your, your prize is you got to go play a team who's far closer to home than you are. It just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, and I think that, I don't, again, I don't have an answer for you as well. I don't, I can't, obviously you kind of touched on the reasons why they are the way that, that things are the way they are. And it's always been kind of this one I've been working. So I haven't really thought too much of it other than kind of accepting it as this is what it is. And I can't get too worked up over it, but you know, on the flip side, you, you look at championships, you look at playoffs against any sport, really any level, um, you know, talk me any serious level from college to the pros and, you know, a lot of a lot of tournament tournament playoff luck can be luck of the draw, and uh, that's not to downplay some teams and what they've accomplished. You'd want to take luck out of it, but considering sort of the factors, you you're trying to put all these teams. Maybe I'm sympathizing with the NCAA here a bit too much, but you look at all these factors, and you have to consider that it's never going to be easy to put something like this, this together. And you know, for teams to win championships, you got to go and take care of business and make program changing upsets, those sorts of things. And while, yeah, I definitely see the the downside to it. It's also a huge opportunity because I think, uh, I think it was last year that Baylor made it to the quarterfinals. Maybe it was two years ago. I can't remember, but they beat, they beat Virginia at home. So, uh, you know, they had a little bit of fortune combined with just getting the job done that allowed them to host that game against a program like Virginia. And that made a big difference. You, you'd have to feel like, so, uh, and it, I know that big 12 teams are hampered a little bit by who they've got to play in the conference, but it's always a reminder to these programs, like, you know, you got to go out and schedule the best non-conference games you can. And part of growing the conference and part of growing the, these programs is getting, you know, getting these results away from home. Cause then maybe in the 2020 tournament, you have a couple big 10 big 12 teams, excuse me, that are maybe a, a two seed or a one seed, that sort of thing. So just throwing that out, out there as to kind of echo your thoughts a little bit, even though I agree with what you're saying. If that word yeah. made no, sense, I, I, hopefully it did. Yeah, I get it. So, I, yeah, okay. So Kansas has the best chance you think of moving forward. I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, obviously, Texas Tech having to be at North Carolina—that's that's a tough draw. You had mentioned, and I am curious about Oklahoma State if they do get past Santa Clara. You had mentioned that USC was dealing with some some injury issues. Obviously, OSU still without uh, Grace Yoakum, who was their best player this season. I, I don't. I don't foresee her unless they make a deep run coming back in this tournament. Uh, if OSU gets past to USC, do you still see – does USC still do anything with, with injuries that could, could be a problem? Yeah, they – so their, their big play, one of their big players is a for Terry McCown, who is the Pac-12 forward of the year, one of their leading scorers. She did not play 
last weekend against Cal State Fullerton, but you know, they're, they're still a well-tested, deep team. I think wh whoever wins that matchup uh, versus Southern California and Texas A&M is going to you know, give Oklahoma State a lot to think about, a lot to handle. Uh, you know, to A&M, I feel like at times this year looked the part of a seeded team. You know, they have, you know, they went down 1-0 against Texas, but came roaring back. Their, their two big stars are Ali Watt, a senior forward, and Jimena Lopez uh, in terms of attacking and going forward. And they have a lot of firepower to throw at you. So I wouldn't even rule the Aggies out of knocking off USC at that point. But you know, that's the thing that's always interesting about this time of year is you don't know how injured play teams are. There's not a, a ton of media coverage around it. And there's not, you know, these coaches don't give away a lot. Just as, as an example, Addison Merrick, the Big 12 Defender of the Year came out, I think, just before the half against Iowa. And fortunately, she was good to go, played the second half. But the little stuff like that, where maybe she picked up an injury, maybe did she aggravate it in the second half? Like, will that affect Kansas' chances? Like, there's a little bit of that mystery that you not have in some of these other sports that have, like, the dedicated beat reporters or just, you know, coaches are able to, like, because there's not that scrutiny and level of interest in it, there's – I don't want to call it gamesmanship, but it's just a little bit of, there's a little bit of a shroud of mystery on some of these programs, you know, outside of the big 12, all of them are you. And so you, so you see players, you don't even, even some of the players that are playing, you don't know which ones are banged up, you know, who's gutting it out injury and how that impacts the game is kind of impossible to see. And it, sometimes it's hard to see on the field as well. So I think that's another sort of thing to watch out for as the, the weekend progresses as the tournament goes on. All right. Uh, so let's just say uh, the, the the next round of games are all on Friday. Um, Oklahoma State is at 10 a.m. Texas Tech and Kansas uh, start at two. West Virginia is at three. Let's just let me just ask this: Which teams do you think are playing again on Sunday? Okay, I think that you'll at least see Kansas get through. Xavier, our team to beat. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and stump for uh, Texas Tech as well. I think that Oklahoma State maybe gets knocked off by Santa Clara. And then, uh, I, yeah, let's throw, we'll toss West Virginia in there as well. They should have enough to beat Central Connecticut State, but they're a well-coached team, shouldn't be. If you take them lightly, if you're West Virginia and you're not preparing for that game and taking it very seriously, which I'm sure they will, then you you could have a surprise on your hand. But, you know, they showed they could beat a better, you'd have to say that, at least on paper, you'd think Georgetown's a little bit better than Central Connecticut State, and that'll have them well-prepared to handle a, a big challenge from the NEC side. So let, let's, let's say two out of four win on Friday. And then I'm hard to go as far to say anyone will survive past the Sunday. You know, maybe, maybe Texas tech really defies the odds and somehow beats Carolina. I could, I mean, I could see it. Like, they have a freshman goalkeeper, Madison white, who's played really well. They were under siege a lot against pepper. And which is not a bad program in the slightest. And she kept them in the game. So maybe they have a repeat, repeat performance like that, but Again, there are lots of uncertain factors. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't even say Kansas would have a very good shot, I would think, too, against South Carolina. So, it, I again, as, as I said, sort of the, the top of the segment, Kansas definitely seems to me the likeliest. But uh, you can't rule the other programs out, all four of them. I think they have a fighting chance for sure. There's no even, – even Texas Tech, Carolina, you know, people – they would definitely be heavy underdogs. But, again, underdogs can lose – can win games in sports, right? We see it all the time. That's why we love sports. So never know what's going to happen. Travis, appreciate your time as always. Do me a favor for everybody who wants to check out your work covering uh, 
all soccer, including collegiate soccer, where can they do so? Yeah, just check out topdoorsoccer.com. We basically, as I like to say, we, we're, the, we're like the rivals of soccer in some ways. That's what the more casual sports fan may know us as. We'll, we'll be keeping tabs on the D1 tournaments. And uh, if you want to know who, some of the up, up and coming recruits before they get to their respective programs, we have that all covered too. Travis, appreciate it again. Uh, enjoy the matches this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, anytime. basketball season is underway and i know there's still a lot of football going on but i would be remiss if we didn't at least check in after everyone's played about three or four games we're recording this on a tuesday night so there are some games underway but i want to just kind of have a bit of a power rankings and i'm very excited to have brian ralph our good friend back on the show to help kind of break down the season so far brian welcome back to the 10 12 i appreciate it thanks for having me Absolutely, man. Pleasure to have you here as always. So I want to kind of do this as a power ranking, as a way to kind of touch on each team and, and kind of look at where they stand so far, you know, three or four games into the season. We're just kind of go back and forth with who we have where. Uh, and, and I'll go ahead and start. Uh, I have Kansas at number one still. I know they have a loss, but it, it's hard to hold against them a loss against, you know, current number one Duke and say, well, they should drop because of that. Lots of teams are going to lose to Duke. That's not a, it's not something that I'm going to necessarily put a black mark on for. I know they didn't play well in that game, but I think Kansas still seems like the best team in the Big 12. They just have a loss against a, 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 a great program. Yeah, they're talented. There are obviously still some flaws, um, particularly offensively, they need to work out, figure what they're doing with their big men rotation if they're going to keep trying to play two bigs if they're going to just bite the bullet and only kind of rotate one at a time, which limits the amount of their better players you have on the court. Um, here they're deeper with, but they've been far more effective running with four perimeter players and one big. And it's just trying to find that balance until they reach their full potential, uh, but they're still the most talented team by far. And uh, I would still say the, maybe not the most accomplished, but again, that loss to Duke is not something you can hold again. Them, particularly with how close that was too. Okay, so we agree Kansas at one. Yep. Okay, uh, I have Texas Tech at two. Is that that where you have them? Yeah, uh, another team that hasn't been tested, but playing at a high level, and we've seen around the country this year. Even though you don't play anybody, that doesn't mean you're not going to lose a game. Uh, Kentucky and Evansville. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so upset of the season so good, far. Yeah, looking good against lesser competition, albeit kind of t- terrible competition. Uh, but looking good against terrible competition, uh, certainly worse things you can do than that. Yeah. Texas Tech with wins of 25, 25, and uh, 29 so far this season. So they're, they're not, they may not have been challenged yet, but they're certainly not allowing any bad team to, to challenge them, which is something something to be said when you're a good team, and especially early in the season. All right, I have Texas third at this point. I can't believe I'm saying this because you know how I feel about Shaka Smart, but I have to say the win at Purdue is by far to me the best win the Big 12 has to hang. It's had on so far this season. They have impressed me. They've looked good. I think that win is a a big win that's really going to carry a lot of weight come Selection Sunday. And so I have Texas at three. I do too. Um, I think you could flip Texas and Baylor at three or four and not have any real qualms either way. Uh, I think we'll touch on Baylor next. But, uh, yeah, I hate buying into Texas because every year around this time they have a good win. Then you're like, oh, this is the year Shock Spartan Texas finally break through. And then they'll go on and lose a home game to Radford or somebody like they did last year, and they just go back to being the same old Texas team. I do like what I'm seeing from them this year. It's a little bit different. 
having Andrew Jones back and uh, as healthy as he has been in a really long time, uh, not only a great story, but he's given them an added dimension of just some more perimeter shooting and a legitimate offensive playmaker in the backcourt that they haven't had. Um, Coleman and Ramey are really good players, but not the kind of guys who skate your perimeter uh, doing anything other than driving through the lane. Uh, and having Jones gives them that element, I think, that they've been missing uh, a bit of more experience as well. Um, I, I don't know how good Purdue is this year. I watched them uh, play Marquette and wasn't necessarily uh, super impressed with that. Uh, but Texas certainly trending in the right direction. Yeah, I, I, I love the Jones story. I think it's going to be a big one in college basketball this year. I kind of hope Texas has success just so that story can get told time and time again because I think it's yes. I think it's worth one um, telling. It's it's wonderful. It really is. And then, yeah, I have Baylor fourth. We can move down to, to the Bears. Um, you know, they lost that game to Washington in, in Alaska. It was a close three-point game. I think Washington's pretty good this year. Um, mm-hmm. The UCA win, you know, UCA's not very good, but you beat them by 44. Close game against Texas State, a lot closer than I would I would expect. But at this point, um, I still think the talent is there for Baylor. I have no reason to think that they're not going to be as good as we think. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and have them slated at four. They're talented. They're deep. Uh, we saw particularly in that Central Arkansas game uh, how dynamic all of their perimeter players can be. Just having that kind of versatile athletic attack it's going to be tough to stop this year. Uh, again, Washington, I think uh, some of the Texas may have been a bit of a hangover from that Washington loss because that, that was tough. You're traveling all the way up to Alaska to play that game. It's essentially, uh, I know it was a neutral court, but there was a lot more Washington fans there than there were Baylor fans, as you might expect. <laughs> I know they were playing in, a, um, in front of some of the armed forces, which was great, but Washington was very well represented from a fan perspective. I, again, still high on them, like you said. Best basketballs ahead of them, obviously, but I like the tools that they have. Yeah, they've got a game against Arizona here in about three weeks or so that I, I'm really going to be looking forward to watching. At that point, we'll be focused on bowl season and we can turn our attention more to basketball. I've got that one circled to watch. Number five, I have the I have the Sooners. I I did not I did not expect to be to see them play as well as they have, and I, I know they don't have a win that you're just like wow. But they do have wins over Minnesota and Oregon State. That's two Power Five teams. I think that should carry some weight. Um, they are undefeated. I, I know that as far as the polls go, I think they're right outside in both polls. They are playing better than I expected them to be playing at this point in the season. Now, I, I know OU's done a really good job in the past of starting out hot and then flaming out, you know, later in the year. But I've been impressed so far. Yeah, I have West Virginia. Fifth personally in Oklahoma, sixth. Uh, but Oklahoma's resume to this point, I, I, I think, is better with that win over Minnesota and win over Oregon State. Um, we talked last year about Oklahoma a lot in non conference because they racked up a pretty good record. I think it was 12 and 1 or, or something along those lines before they got in conference play. We were talking about how good Oklahoma actually was. And they had picked up wins over big name teams that you recognize, but were having down years or weren't as good as maybe you would think of them to be. And then I think these wins of Oregon State and Minnesota probably fall in that kind of space again. I think Oregon State can be good. I think Minnesota can be good. But if you're going to ask me if they're going to make the tournament, I would lean a lot more towards no than yes. So they're wins you need to pick up if you're Oklahoma, and it's good that they got them instead of losing them. But I don't know necessarily um, – if there's anything to write home about or hang your hat on. 
so to speak. I think West Virginia has looked better. I know West Virginia's best win is over a pit team that we also don't know what to make of them. They're probably, you know, closer to not making the tournament than making the tournament as well. Um, but I like what I've seen from them offensively. Defensively, they're back to being um, press Virginia that, that we've known. Not the the caliber that were of the Javon Carter days, but somewhat close, I would say. And having Oscar Sheboy in the middle is a big part of that. But they're more, I think, potent offensively than they have been in a while, too which is going to uh, pay dividends for them. Yeah. Um, as far as OU goes, they've got some road games at Wichita State and Creighton in December that I'll be looking forward to watching. And, yeah, I, I have West Virginia at sixth. I just – I haven't gotten to watch a whole lot of them. So, obviously, you – I think you probably are a better judge than, than I am so far. They are 3-0, and but they haven't – I mean, Akron, eh, North Colorado, eh. And they haven't really, like, really – beaten anyone by by an amount that has impressed me which is why i went ahead and put them below ou just because i think the resume is just a little bit under what OU's is at this point but i i don't have any problem flip-flopping those just how i feel speaking of of resumes at this point oh the other i do want to know one thing about about west virginia and one reason i put them at sixth and i'm fine at fifth and i'm gonna pronounce to i believe that's how it's oscar to <laughs> forward is I have got to watch him a little bit. He has been impressive. I think I think he's going to be big for this team, and is is a reason that they are that West Virginia could be a tournament team this year. I think he's I think he's pretty pretty good. Yeah, uh, he he's Sagbo Kanate esque. He's not quite the shot blocker, um, but I think he's probably a little bit better of a rebounder and energy player uh, than Kanate was. I, I think Kanate, especially um, towards the end two years ago, uh, got really into being a shot blocker and a protector and at the expense of some other parts of his game, uh, Shibway is just an energy drink running up and down the court. I mean, he, he plays full energy, loves getting on the glass, uh, some offensive touch. Uh, that's part of the game. He's got to work on his offensive game, but the way West Virginia plays his athleticism and ability and willingness to kind of do the duty work, get down low, catch lobs, uh, put back offensive boards. It's exactly what they need from that position. Speaking of resumes that haven't impressed me and shot blockers, Oklahoma State is the team that I have seventh. They are 4-0. Mm-hmm. They, they have a road win at Charleston. They don't have a win that just blows you away. Um, they've played some games that were closer until the final minutes, um, but you've had a different leading scorer just about every game. Uh, you've got some talent that had returned from last year, and some of these freshmen that they've had so far have, in, have impressed me, specifically the, the Boone twins and the athleticism of, of Avery Anderson. So I, I have them seventh um, just because I, I still need to see more from them. I know they're going to head to Brooklyn here uh, next week. They'll have an opportunity against Syracuse and then either Penn State or Ole Miss that might tell us a little bit more about this old Oklahoma State team. But I, I have them seventh right now. Is Cade Cunningham on Oklahoma State yet? Have we have we started that yet? <laughs> no, no, he's uh, that's twenty twenty. He'll be here. Don't don't no no. Let me just uh, just let's just enjoy that he's signed and, and, and he and Rondell Walker are coming. Okay, but they're not here yet. But the yeah, uh, the anticipate. I think they're already selling tickets for next year. So it's that, that's maybe the best part of Oklahoma State start, and that's not a knock on what they've actually done on the court. Uh, I think that Charleston win was a big win just from a momentous perspective because Charleston is a really good team and a team you'll probably see in the NCAA tournament and potentially win a game in the NCAA tournament. So being able to, to get a win like that on the road is important just from a momentum perspective. I, I don't expect Oklahoma State to do anything uh, big still. I think there may be a bubble team that potentially, you know, depending on who they beat, could fall on the right or wrong side of that. Uh, but this year is about getting momentum and building steam 
when you have that, that recruiting class coming in with Katie Cunningham, kind of setting the stage for next year. And I, I think the Charleston win shows that they're on that right direction. So you have OSU at seven. Do we agree there? Yes. Okay. Uh, eight. I have Iowa State. Um, I, the yeah. two wins don't impress me much. Um, I, I don't want to hold the loss against Oregon State against them too much. But now you're telling me Oregon State's probably not a tournament team, so maybe I should hold it against them a little bit more. I, I think this Iowa State team is going to be pretty good. Um, I, I think they're a another bubble tournament team, but I just at this point I haven't seen enough to really know what to expect from Iowa State. I think by the end of the year Iowa State's a team that would be playing among the top half of teams in the conference. Like I, I think uh, talent wise, they have that potential uh, to kind of get to a point where they're competing with maybe not Kansas and Texas Tech, uh, but competing with Texas, competing with West Virginia, competing with Baylor. The problem is they're so young. And they have so many new pieces they're breaking in. Uh, Terrence Halliburton is the only guy who's really um, playing a significant role that did so last year. And he's only a sophomore. So you're kind of looking to him to, to carry the load and, and patch things up until they get going. And he's a great player, but there are going to be some bumps in the road. And I, I don't expect Oregon State to make a tournament, but I do expect them to be a solid NIT team. You know, one of those teams that doesn't make the tournament, but still a, a decent team. So to be this early in the season – um, there's obvious room for improvement with them, but I'm not writing them off. I haven't seen anything that's super alarming or unexpected. Okay, so for the bottom two, I, let me just, you, do you have Iowa State at, at eight so far? Do we agree there? I well? do. Okay. I do. So that, that leaves Kansas State and TCU as the bottom two, and uh, I, I don't think it necessarily matters whether <laughs> you have those two in because it's just sort of a toss-up. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, I, I talked about this with Kyle Boone when we did our big preview. And, and, I, and I posed the question to him, do I think that the bottom of the Big 12, these bottom two are going to be the worst bottom two we've seen in, in quite some time. And I know Kansas State and TCU fans want to hear that. There's, there's obviously Desmond Bain is really good for TCU, but the rest of that roster is just not very good. And it, yes, it doesn't really matter too much. I have Kansas State at 10, TCU at 9. I, I can't really tell you why other than I, I think Kansas State's have been nearly upset a couple times by teams they have no business being nearly upset by. I, I would agree with that because I think Bain gives CC something that Kansas State doesn't have yet. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, and I'm curious, I want to ask your opinion. You know, the, the Big 12 gets a lot of credit because of the depth, top to bottom. And, you know, that's been good for, the I think, the top teams because it helps you when you win, you know, that you get more respect for those Ws because every win in the Big 12 is, is, a, value, is a valuable win. Um, but having two teams that aren't as good at the bottom, say Kansas State, TCU, means potentially more wins for everybody else. And I think as as bad as the two teams are going to be this year, I think it almost guarantees to me the Big 12 sending seven to the tournament and potentially eight, depending upon just how many how many losses those two teams rack up. Which I mean, it doesn't help the resume. And if you lose to one of them, it's bad. But, right. you know, there's more wins to go around, which means there's better records and, and, and come Selection Sunday, that's a benefit to the rest of the Big 12. Yeah, it, it's a double-edged sword. And as much as Selection Committee will say they don't look at necessarily number of wins, it's quality, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you can overwhelm the Selection Committee with the number of wins, whether it's overall or in conference play. There's usually a certain benchmark you need to hit, uh, and it's hard for them to keep you out even if it's over the, the bottom tier teams. Like if we're talking about an Oklahoma who finishes with eight wins in a big 12, that's seven, seven, eight teams. And four of those seven are against CCU and Kansas state. They're not going to necessarily look at that as much as the fact that, okay, they got 
eight conference wins, seven conference wins, eight conference wins in the Big 12. And you know, depending on who those four other ones are, you just need one win over a Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech, Kansas, whoever, and suddenly you're a lock at that point, even if you're eight and ten in conference play. At the same time, it, it provides the chance for a pitfall that wasn't there in the past. Because suddenly a loss to TCU now could be the thing that keeps that Texas bubble team that inevitably is going to happen from not getting in the tournament. For the past couple of years, it, it wasn't uh, a hindrance because we had so much respect for the teams at the bottom of the conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be interesting to watch as this, as this continues. You really hope the two teams can at least win enough out of conference to help boost themselves up to be more valuable. Uh, Brian, as it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, everybody go give Brian a follow. It is basketball season. You can get him on Twitter at B Ralph 33, B R A U F 33 and check out all the work he does with busting brackets, including the podcast, man. It's, it's basketball time. I mean, I want everybody to listen to my show, but if you are a college basketball fan, go check out the busting brackets podcast with Brian Ralph. It's a, it's a good, it's a good show. It is. I appreciate that. You got, you got time for both somebody on the drive to work, somebody on the way home, you know, there you go. There you go. Brian, appreciate it. We'll do this again soon, man. I appreciate it. All right, so the latest playoff rankings came out tonight, Tuesday night. This is obviously coming out on Wednesday, but uh, the poll is out, and Chris and I just had to take some time to talk about it. I know normally on Wednesdays we do a big game preview. There's a lot of big games for the Big 12. There's a lot going on, which is why, of course, we've had our our soccer interview, and our basketball interview. We're going to talk a little bit of football. And I'll be honest, I thought when the rankings came out uh, on Tuesday night that Oklahoma would be an eighth in front of Penn State and Minnesota. And we could talk about the fact that Penn State's two spots ahead of Minnesota who thumped Penn State, and that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen, but whatever. Head-to-head apparently doesn't matter. But Oklahoma is sitting in ninth. Um, they're behind Penn State, Utah, Oregon, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU. And we have hit full-on panic mode of the opportunities left for Oklahoma to gain ground on these teams is not only running out, they're not very good. Chris, what was your just initial reaction when the, when this new poll came out? My initial reaction is the same reaction that I had last week. And I wrote an article on the LGG about it, about the, the decisions being made by the committee don't make sense. You know, if it's about early narrative, well, the Pac-12 was out of it early this season. Nothing has really changed in the win column, but yet here we are with Oregon and Utah, both well ahead of Oklahoma. And yeah, six and seven doesn't sound like it's that much further ahead than ninth. But when you're talking about making the playoff, that's there's a big gap there, and that's that's a lot of ground for the Sooners to have to make up this late into the season. But if you look at their resumes, you look at Oregon's resume and you look at Utah's resume and you compare that to the Sooners or even Baylor who just lost, tell me how Oregon's resume is better than Baylor's. I, I, I They have a better loss is about all I can, I can say. And I don't even Baylor's know Baylor's losses to Oklahoma because... and it was, a, it was a tight game. And a game they were dominating at one point. And they have two top 25 wins. And if you throw K-State who's ranked last week, I mean – Oregon beat a barely ranked USC. That's it. No, I agree. Look, I I absolutely agree. And Utah, best game is losing to USC on the road. Their non-conference is bad as well. I I don't disagree. Um, I think here's my concern right now is it goes back to it's better to win early than late, and that's BS to me. 
But that's how this feels because both those teams lost earlier in the season and have because they've continued to win since then have gained this ground. Because OU lost late, that's being held against them more than had they lost to, say, Texas earlier in the season. In the BCS, that was absolutely true. Because you have the coaches poll and the AP poll that you're going from week to week, right? Mm-hmm. So teams can start to be forgiven for losses early in the season as they keep bumping back up the poll and losses late kind of hurt you. But when you're talking about the playoff, their rankings didn't come out until two weeks ago. You know, like that should have been even resumes to this point. If they lost last week or if they lost, you know, in week one to the committee, that really shouldn't make a difference when you're just looking at these resumes and coming out with your first rankings. Yeah, I just I don't buy that they do that. Like I don't I don't buy that the AP poll doesn't have an influence on what they do. Though I do think the AP poll actually re- reacts to what they do. I just you look at this and here's the criteria that we know that the committee at this point there's things that we know about the committee through what we've seen since they started. Who you beat matters. Um, how you win games, whether that's against ranked teams or unranked teams, matters. Um, losses matter, but I think losses are a bullet point that is used to separate teams. Ohio State was hell out of play off the last two years because they got blown out in, in a game. Now, their one loss wasn't just that they had a loss, it was that they got blown out. They had good wins, but they got blown out. Georgia has the worst loss by far, South Carolina at home in overtime. But because they didn't get blown out, it was a close loss. It's not being held against them in the way, and, and that will come into play later on. And then we get to conference championships. Well, that, that, that bullet doesn't matter yet because we haven't gotten to that point. And, but the problem with all that is, Okay, I get resume. I understand that's why LSU's one and Ohio State's two. And, and I, I'm i not going to argue against those two being the two best teams. They've looked like two of the best teams. And I'm okay with Clemson at three. I know their resume is bad, but Clemson is blowing teams out now. Most of that, there's a, they, okay, the ACC, I think, has the most bowl-eligible teams at this point. That's a lot of six and six, but that's still a lot of bowl-eligible teams. And I think Wake Forest is a decent win. I know it's not a ranked win at this point, but I don't think Clemson's resume is as bad as we think it is. And the fact that they're just destroying teams matters. That's why they're third. Georgia's fourth because of the resume they have, because of the wins they have. Bama is fifth because it's Bama. There's no other excuse for it than it's Bama. That's the only reason that Bama is fifth. The nightmare scenario for right now is the fact that OU is behind Oregon and Utah. And unless one of them loses a regular season game between now and the the Pac-12 championship game, if those two teams are 11-1, and the winner, OU's not going to jump the winner because the winner is now going to have a top 10 victory on their resume. I don't know, at this point, in the next two weeks, do you see an opportunity for Oklahoma to jump those two teams outside of Oregon or Utah losing one of their last two regular season games? Maybe. I mean, Bedlam could go a long way if game day is in... Uh, still water for that, you know. Please no, hi- please no, please no, please no. <laughs> two Heisman no, Trophy winners no. going at or tri- Heisman Trophy. I should not say winners. Candidates. I'm all over the yeah, place. Candidates. candidates. No, no, I got yes. you. So Heisman Trophy candidates uh, going at it. You know, it's it. There's a potential there. Uh, I know Cowboy fans are excited. I know you're not because uh, Oklahoma State's record for for game day is not the best. But when we're talking <laughs> Big Twelve, you know, that's actually probably a good thing. Uh, yeah, no, so, I mean, and it is being on, but we thought that that I mean, game day was at OU Baylor, that mm-hmm. was the most watched game of the weekend. Absolutely, and OU got a got the best win on their resume, and it was a blip. I mean, I I'm granted OU, Baylor only dropped one spot, and that's awesome because it was a close loss and they blew a big game. But OU mm-hmm. went up one spot. I, they jumped Minnesota, who lost. 
That was it. Yeah, yeah. So Baylor wasn't penalized because they think Oklahoma's good, but Oklahoma wasn't rewarded either. Like, I mean, it was, it's really strange. It, typically, one team will be rewarded, the other team will be penalized. That, t- that tells you what they really think about Baylor. Well, the fact is that, okay, so you're, you're absolutely right. But if that tells mm-hmm. us what they think about Baylor, then why isn't Baylor further down the rankings? So, like, not rewarding Oklahoma for the win should mean that Baylor should drop five, six spots after the loss, but they didn't. Well, but they are the... So that means you you still view them as a quality team. Yes, but here's my point to that. They are the lowest-ranked, one-loss, power-five team. They were the lowest-ranked, undefeated team. I know, but that that just tells you what you need to know. They're not going to rank them below a three-loss Auburn or a two-loss Notre Dame or a three-loss Iowa, and they're not going to rank them below one-loss like Memphis, Cincinnati, and Boise State. Those are all teams down... Down there, Boise Baylor is literally at the bottom, the the lowest they can put them without people being like, okay, you can't put them below Auburn. You can't put a one loss Baylor team below Auburn. So that they're literally at the lowest point they can possibly go without being full blown disrespect. And that's that tells you the problem with Baylor. And and somebody, I can't remember which podcast I was into, they raised a point that I thought was really valid. If Baylor had won eight or nine games last season instead of the seven they won, and had and were let's say they were either on the verge of being ranked or ranked twenty fifth to start the year. Is Baylor higher in the rankings right now because they had higher preseason expectations? So the belief was that they were good. I think it's hard when you're not a a blue blood program to come from out of being in the rankings and rise in the rankings because people just they don't think that we didn't think you're very good to start the year. And look, Baylor hasn't really Baylor has had way too many close games. You know, and that that hurts them. I understand their non-conference resume is awful. Like, thank goodness, I guess they're playing Ole Miss next year in a neutral site. So that's, I guess, good because it's Ole Miss. But I just it, I just I, I know a Baylor is a good team. I just for some reason, I think this is one of those years where blowing teams out that are bad is more valuable than beating good teams close, which sounds weird. How much of it is Baylor being good is kind of a PR problem? Oh, well, yeah. Somebody wrote an article about, like, should we all be rooting for Baylor now? Is it too soon? Everyone's like, yeah, it's way too soon. Like, we all like – you can – I like Matt Rule, but Baylor fans, I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to be like, yay, Baylor. Like, I so, think you're So why are we penalizing but... players and coaches that had nothing to do with anything? These players have never raped anybody these, these coaches think, have, I don't have think never that's the stood committee. for that's that. Just, that's just fans. I don't think the committee is doing holding that against them. I think it's just you know, this is a team, and Matt Rule's not getting the respect for who went from one win to seven wins to now they're at nine, potentially eleven this year. I just I don't think I don't think they're getting the credit for the fact that Matt Rule kind of did that at Temple. Obviously, that that's they they know mm-hmm. this is a good team, and they're just not getting the credit for it this year. And it's again, this is why non conference scheduling matters. You can say they should, because yes, had Baylor won out, had Baylor beaten Oklahoma, a they would have had to beat them twice, probably, and that's that's not going to be easy to do. This is why having a nice, decent non-conference game is important. I'm not saying you have to schedule Bama, but really, because schedule it somebody. doesn't seem to be really paying dividends to Oklahoma. Who did? I mean, but they didn't end up beating but, anybody either. But they scheduled Houston, UCLA. UCLA. These games are scheduled so far out. Like, what are they supposed to do? Say, well, you know what, you end up sucking, wanna, so yeah. we're going to have to sub you out for somebody. Well, hey, you know, maybe if we didn't schedule games two decades ahead of time, we wouldn't have to deal with that nonsense. That's not a use fault. I know. I don't want to get into scheduling debates about, like, I you need to have at least one nice team. 
that's the way it works. Because if you lose to a good team, it's not held against you a la Oregon versus Auburn. So looking at this, and I want to talk about this weekend's games. All all 10 teams in action. I think there are games that matter outside of, obviously, Oklahoma needs to beat TCU to stay in the running. And it would it would behoove them to blow TCU out as much as they can. Do, do you agree? Oh, yes. At this point, Oklahoma needs to just lay waste to everybody. And unfortunately, that does include the Cowboys. Yeah, we'll talk about it next week. Next week. But but aside from I say that, unfortunately because, you know, both of our alliances yeah. there. But. Kansas State is at Texas Tech. And as much as I would love to see Texas Tech get to a bowl game, it would benefit the Sooners if Kansas State got this win. Because that, that one loss didn't look so bad when they were 6-2, and two, but Kansas State's dropped two straight, including that game to West Virginia that's just bad loss. Sorry, guys. That's not helping their case any. It would really help them if Kansas State won. Texas is playing Baylor. I'm sorry, Texas. Uh, Baylor needs to keep winning. OU needs to have 11-1 and Baylor in the Big 12 title game so they can get another top 20 win there. Yeah, Oklahoma. Kansas, Iowa State. Yeah. Oklahoma, Baylor, Kansas State, they all have to win out. Yeah. And uh, Kansas, Iowa State, I mean, Iowa State's ranked. Congrats. I would expect Iowa State to win mm-hmm. this weekend. But um, I, I, for the for OU, you, you, that's great. Uh, go ahead and win this week. They need Kansas State to beat you next week. And then they really, really, really need Oklahoma State to not trip up against West Virginia in Morgantown this weekend. Oklahoma, Bedlam is, is, is next weekend. Let and me preference OSU is ranked. Please, go ahead. Let me preference all of this, this entire conversation because we get pushback on Twitter about how, like, well, screw the conference. You know, I need, like, Iowa State fans obviously want the Cyclones to win, and no one's faulting well, sure. for that, of course. But we're no. talking solely from the, from the perspective to get a Big 12 team into the playoff. Yes. If... If your goal is to see a Big 12 team in the playoff, this is what needs to happen. If you're an right. OU fan, I know you don't like rooting for other teams like Texas or Oklahoma State, but if you're an OU fan, you need to be Oklahoma State fans this weekend and hope they beat West Virginia. If you're laughing, if Oklahoma State loses to West Virginia and you're laughing about it, guess what, guys? That's no longer a ranked team, and it's no longer a ranked win when you beat them. And your resume continues to get worse then. You need Oklahoma State to beat West Virginia. You need to root for Kansas State. And you're like, well, I don't want to root. That's fine. But that's what you need to happen if you want to have any shot outside of other teams losing. Ohio State and Penn State play this weekend. If Ohio State wins, Penn State will drop down below Oklahoma. Great. Outside of, of, of both Pac-12 schools losing regular season games. But you can't you can't necessarily rely on, on teams outside of your conference doing those things. And, and those things happen. But you need your conference teams to boost your resume. You need the teams you've beaten to boost your resume. And right now, that means Kansas State winning, Baylor winning, and Oklahoma State winning this weekend. So let me ask you. We're, we're talking about making the playoff. But, like, I'll be honest. Do we even need a playoff this year? I, I'm ready to watch LSU and Ohio State get it on. Like, I, I'm ready to watch that game. Those are the two best teams in the country. I, I think the nation is mostly in agreement with that. Uh, I mean, this is this is a year that shows... Maybe the BCS system was better. Mm. So let's just say this. Clemson's resume isn't great because I haven't beat anybody. But really go look at Clemson. And go look well, at the statistics. I, I, and, and take away the, 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 the quality of opponent away. I'm not writing Clemson out of this one in any way, shape, or form. And I could argue, and this is, this is what frustrates me the most of all, is that 2019 LSU is 2011 Oklahoma State. LSU's defense is... Ain't very good. Now, I know they've played some really good teams, but Ole Miss ain't that good, and you gave up a lot of yards and a good number of points to Ole Miss. 
LSU's defense isn't very good. It's just not. I, ironically, LSU being the team that shouldn't have been there. No, no, Bama shouldn't have. LSU <laughs> well, was no, defeated. Bama, Bama shouldn't have, have, but Bama was better than LSU. Hey, LSU won the first game. That's how it works. No, like, that's true. I, that's true. I don't. It should have so, been. Let, so I, let me. Let me. I'm glad you brought up Clemson because you said that earlier, and I am very much in the camp that if you're undefeated and you're the defending national championship, like you absolutely deserve a spot. That should be unquestioned. Until yeah. someone, until someone knocks you off, you deserve a spot. Now for Alabama. You're not a defending champion, at least not this year. And I I understand it. I get it. They've been a dynasty of college football for years and years now. And so I, I get that we want to put them in. But we have to, if you're not a defending champion, we have to look at your resume this year. Agreed. Agreed. I will say this. With the way things are going now, we still potentially can get that uh, Jalen Hurts versus Alabama matchup in the Sugar Bowl if uh, Bama and OU both get left out of the playoff this year. And I think that's really what we all want to see. Like, yes, I want the Big 12 in the playoff. Like, it's good for the conference. But well, what we it, all if, really if wanted you'd... to see, what we all really wanted to see, was Tua go up against Jalen Hurts. Sure, yeah, and we aren't going to get that now. But I'll take. Jalen Hurts going and beating Alabama and watching all the Alabama fans who love Tua or who love Jalen Hurts turning on Jalen Hurts because they don't want to lose to him. Yeah, that would be ironic. So let me get let me ask you one last question here. Mm-hmm. Is, is this year the perfect example of why it's time to go back to divisions? The Big 12 needs to bring on two more teams. And I and I hate conferences expansion talk at this point. I know. But maybe it's time to to bring it back up because the round robin is killing the Big 12. You had a top 25 team just lose to, in my opinion, the worst team in the conference in mm-hmm. West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And that's just that just this says is... how much the, the bottom of the conference has gotten better. No, it has. I've, I've said this for quite the rest of the season. If you listen to the pod, you've heard me say this. This is the best top to bottom this conference has been in, in a long time. I know Kansas has three wins. They're not a terrible team. They're not great, but they're not good, but they're not terrible. Texas Tech is Texas Tech is a bowl team that won't go to a bowl game. And I think West Virginia has has they've got good coaching. So I have always thought that the reason the Big Twelve should expand, and I know it's all about you gotta get some name teams in, you gotta bring in teams in who are gonna boost you. No, you you need your you need your Vanderbilt. You need to have some more wins on the schedule and, and, and help some teams avoid each other. Why do you think the SEC is able to have so many good teams? Because a lot of them avoid each other all year long. And don't have to play. That way you have more teams with really good records at the end of the season. And it's really cool. And and sports journalists like to, to, to applaud the Big 12 for playing around Robin and talk about how great it is. But at the end of the day, I don't think they really get the credit for it that they thought that they would. And... I like the Big 12 title game, and I like that it matches the top two teams. And we can have 12 teams, 14 teams in division. I still think you need to to match up the top two teams in the conference because the ACC is about to start doing that as well, or is trying to despite having 14 teams there because that that boosts you and that helps you out. But if there is a a reason to expand and to look at adding – I don't want to get into team names, but adding two teams or four teams or however many you want to do – this is the reason why. This is the real reason why. Because people can say that wins and losses aren't the end-all, be-all. But folks, wins and losses matter. Wins and losses 
are so hard to ignore. And when you play everybody, there are more losses handed out. There's more L's getting tossed out to teams. It's it. That's why the team conference needs to go back to 12. I know there's not perfect teams and blah, 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 blah. It's never going to be perfect, but you've, it's, when the meteorites time comes, they need to grow back up. They need to. If it's going to exist, continue, it's got to grow back up. What we're going to see is you're absolutely right with the the, the every win uh, that been, uh, produces a loss, right? So and and someone has to take that loss. And we have the bottom of the conference getting better. The conference is consuming itself. But we're, what we're going to see is what we saw last year and the year before that is the Big 12 do very, very well in the bowl games. Because really, oh, yeah, I agree. it's like everybody's been bumped down a spot. Now, your point your point is valid. That used last few years with OU in the playoff, everybody kind of got bumped up a spot. So they were playing, you know, the, 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 the fourth place team is playing in the third place bowl game. And they still did well last year. Now this year, you're going to see the fourth place team playing in the fourth place bowl game and the fifth place team kind of playing where they should be. And I think the Big 12 is going to have a very successful bowl season. Now, part of that is because there may be a lot of uh, SEC matchups where they don't play SEC teams because there's not going to be enough SEC teams who are bowl eligible to fill that. But we're not going to talk about the fact that the SEC is not going to have enough bowl eligible teams because the bottom of it's just a giant five and seven mess. And that won't be held against the teams at the top are really good, but that's not the point what you're going to see is like a three or four loss big 12 team or five loss big 12 team go up against a three or four five loss you know other conference team and the big 12 team is going to be better because of the way their losses are produced in the round robin schedule versus the across divisions where um, for the big 12 team in that format might not have had that extra loss right so they're just mm-hmm. a, they're just a notch better and i feel like that's why the Big 12 has performed in the bowl games. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. No, it does. It, it, it makes sense. I, I understand what you're saying, and I, I agree. I do. It's going to be an interesting last couple of weeks of the season, and I mean, per, personally, I'm, I'm excited for it. This is going to be fun. It, there's there's a lot on the line for OU fans, a lot on the line for three teams trying to still make bowl games. It's a lot of fun to be had, and I'm, I'm excited for all of it. Uh, obviously, we will be back on Friday with our picks. Uh, we have a return picker. Very excited that to do that and uh, we're going to talk some more Big 12 football on then see you guys on Friday hey guys a couple of things before we go just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, rate and review the show. Five stars, please. It helps us get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us on Twitter at 1012 podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email, that's 1012podcast, T-E-N number 12, word podcast, at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.